The following program is intended for mature audiences. Gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. It's Big Boom Radio Friday, people, so it's time once again for the Big Boom Radio podcast, Riffs and Rants, with Johnny Teflon and Michael Sean Lee. Both barrels, both sides, and a lot of good music, too. All I know is this violates every canon of respectable broadcasting. Indeed it does, my friend, indeed it does. And we'll be right back, folks, after the first gem of the day.
people know that rumors of my demise have once again been premature. And greatly exaggerated, <laughs> I guess. To a great extent, I must say. I must say. I mean, I'm not sure yet. You could be a replicant. Uh, you know, always possible these days. It is. It is. But, uh, but yes, it's, it's, it's nice to be back. It's nice and, to have uh, you back. And thank you. Um, kind of interesting. I uh, had a few friends around the country who, uh, who listened to the show shoot uh -huh. me some texts. <laughs> and, uh, you know, inquiring as to my, you know, current state. And it's, it's funny because they all have a degree of consistency. They're all assuming that there's a very real possibility that I'm dead. Mm -hmm. sure. You know, so the text is something like, you know, where are you? Are you alive? Uh -huh. Hope you're well. If you're dead, fuck you. You know? <laughs> and it's like, those are my friends. I'm sure there was you. a couple that were like, fired again, huh? <laughs> <laughs> you idiot. What did you say this time? Dipping his pen in the company ink. <laughs> Again, <laughs> but uh, but no, no. It uh, it it was a, a strange last six weeks or so. Oh yeah. Uh, I will I will say without going into great detail that reality did rear its ugly head, and mm -hmm. uh, you know what an anim uh, animostic? No, that's not a word. What a, what a nasty relationship I do have with reality. So sure, sure. That had to be put down. It adversarial. Had to be adversarial. <laughs> there we go. It had to be put down like a rabid dog. You know, and uh, and yeah, I I am I am very confident that that. Thing has been dealt with, and uh, outstanding. And I'm back in the uh, back in the studios of Big Boom Radio, and it feels comfortable. It feels good to be here. Though I will admit, I, I'm, I'm fascinated by some of the rumors going around as to there where were, I was there, there were and rumblings. what I was doing. I did I did catch your last show, and by the way, before <laughs> I go any further, I want to give you props uh, for your efforts, your solo efforts. Thank you, sir. I think very very few people realize how difficult it is, you know, to carry a one hour show on your own. And uh, and you know so props to you my partner you did a hell of a job thank you governor and uh, and yeah we'll discuss some of the things you were talking about uh, later yeah. but uh, <laughs> but for now you know we're going to keep it on the up but uh, 
But I do want to uh, I do want to address some of the rumors going around the studio as to where I was and where I wasn't. Very good. And, uh, and uh, we'll start out with where I wasn't. Because um, I wonder how many people maybe have a pool out there, you know, <laughs> and, and they're taking odds. And it uh, wouldn't be the first time. It wouldn't be the first time. I was time. ready to put some Bitcoin down on you were part of a Mars mission. I'm, I'm and impressed. He said, I, I'm I am impressed. down with a one-way trip. I'm like, yep, yep, I, I could see him doing that. Well, you know, it's, it's one of the drawbacks um, to, you know, this kind of scenario. And it's, it's, you know, in all honesty, without going into great detail, it's not the first time I dropped off the radar and, and popped off. And it's kind of interesting. It always has been interesting to me. Um, to hear the speculation, sure, you know where where, where he was and, and what he was doing. And quite frequently, it, it ends up being something. The speculation is a hell of a lot more fun than what was really going on. Yep, you know, and uh, I, I don't quite know how to feel about that. I still don't, despite the fact that it has happened in the past. But uh, but yeah, we're uh, we're back, as the mm-hmm. saying goes. And of course, that was uh, that was Pearl Jam. That was alive. Uh, off of their monster, monster debut album, 10, came out back in 1991. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of funny because that was a very misunderstood tune at the time. And its current meaning, the one that you know I just used to uh, ascribe to this current situation, is really what it has become as opposed to what Eddie Vedder was originally writing about. You know, it was kind of when he originally wrote the, the song, he was talking about a, he was talking about a real life thing that he had happened to him where he found out that his, his stepfather was his stepfather when the whole time he thought he was his real father and that his natural father was dead. And, you know, it was kind of like, okay, but I'm still alive. What about me? Mm. And it has evolved since then into kind of like an affirmation, you know, from people that, you know, that's, it, it, it's kind of like the, the fans grabbed the song and made it what they wanted it to be, mm-hmm. you know, what it, what it means. And it has become, you know, very much an affirmation of life. That's the weird thing about a, 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 the public at large, because yeah. they, they will create their own reality. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, you're talking about a, you know, monstrous global Pearl Jam fan base, mm-hmm. you know, where they took that song and decided, no, this is going to be an affirmation of life. And to this day now, that is what that song is about. So, you know, Johnny gave me the uh, gave me the go to get the uh, get the first gem of the show this week. I appreciate that. Well, I, at least Thank I could do. Thank you very much. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and so that is done. And uh, and again, I'd like to. It's just it's been amusing to me some of the rumors going around the studio about where people thought I was and where I really was. Right. Right. And uh, without going into great detail about where I was, uh, here's a few. Examples of where I wasn't. All right, uh, I was all right. not hiding out in a country with no extradition treaty with the U.S. That's a tempting thought <laughs> and, and probably a good idea. But, uh, but no, unfortunately, that wasn't the case, uh, as is the fact that I was not in rehab. And, uh, you know. Lost a couple of dollars on that yeah, one, too. Sorry yeah. about that, John. You know, <laughs> but, no, we're not doing that again. So um, I was not at uh, QAnon frat parties with Marjorie Taylor Greene. That would have been weird. That, that would have been, been weird. odd. Yeah, yeah. I was not down in Florida trafficking in underage girls with Matt Getz. <laughs> And by the way, I can't get, can't wait to get him on our show. How could you have not known? Right. Because that's coming for him. It's mm. coming for him. You know it is. Um, I was not in Washington writing a new woke manifesto with the squad, which I'm sure you're you're pleased to find out about. Wasn't running with the squad in DC. <laughs> not unless you drive them all into a tree. <laughs> Ladies, take your belts off. We're safe. Indeed. <laughs> Uh, kind of interesting. A lot of speculation uh, that I was hanging out with Nigel. And I trust Mr. Lee is indulging one of his many vices. 
You know, at some place you're talking, you know, including, I had a, including uh, from yourself. Uh, yes, I had mentioned yeah. the uh, the plausibility of you and him uh, learning the sitar that, together. That, you know, that actually would not be a bad idea. That would be fun. That would be fun to do with Sir Working Nigel. Working a hookah pipe, you know. Yeah, you know. But the, the rumor I do want to dispel is I was not hunting endangered wolverines in the African outback with Nigel. Wasn't gotcha. doing that. Don't think I'd want to be around Nigel if he was armed. That just, it sounds like a bit yeah. of a risk. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> speaking of other fun shit I wasn't doing, I was not on a wild coke binge with Tula. Nope. That didn't nope. happen. That didn't happen. She was here, nose to the grindstone, yeah. as they say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, was not kidnapped by aliens. You know, I know there's a lot good, of focus good. now about, you know, this thing that the Pentagon is releasing coming up that's going to talk about, you know, unidentified flying objects and whatnot. So, yeah, that had nothing to do with me. Uh, I was not suffering from "quote unquote" nervous exhaustion. You know, that's that's one of those. That's one of those. Uh, uh, that's one of the big blanket ones. Yeah, exactly. Goes right along with you want to spend more time with your family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and you need you need some rest. You have yeah. some medical issues to attend to. It it usually means you've been locked up against your will someplace, and uh, yep, or and then, you're about to be locked up against exactly. your will. Exactly. Recidivism. Repeat offender. And probably should be. Probably right? should be. And uh, last but not least, again, you know, as a tip of the hat, a little bit of nod to, to my longtime friends, I was not dead. I was right. not dead. I can confirm that now sitting here, not dead. Right. So. Excellent. Well, again, <laughs> good to have you back. Because, yeah, Thank doing you. the show alone with the, uh, the formula that we have, it's, um, it, it's, it's literally like playing handball by yourself. It just oh, bounces sure. off a wall. Yeah. Uh, and as, as Bruce Lee once said famously, boards don't hit back. No. So I'm throwing out all these ideas that I think are amazing ideas. And you never know. <laughs> you never know. No, no. All, you know? It's, it's funny because all life is relative. Yeah. And it's what bounces off and comes back at you. Which and I'm sure you some of my things. viewpoints were a little more to the right than usual because I didn't have you there to kind of center yeah. me. Well, I, I was kind of surprised you kind of closed the book on Kamala Harris. You shut her Oof. down real quick. I tell you what, there's, there's been a couple things, not to get off topic, that I'm a fucking genius because I nailed it. You know, <laughs> we, we, we've seen her exposed <laughs> just for being just incredibly aloof. Oh, my goodness. Then we had Fauci, who I've been saying has been a, a bad egg for months now, and everyone else loved him. He made him the sexiest man alive on people. But now with all this, this email dump coming about, he's got some skeletons, too. You know, in, 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 in sympathy, I guess, to the <laughs> CDC, I mean, they were in a no-win situation. They really were Don't during this off the whole hook. pandemic Don't situation. Let, let's, let's skewer it's, people. It's a bureaucracy, so <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not inclined to let them yep. off the hook, because obviously they indulged in some bullshit. Yeah. But, uh, but I wouldn't have wanted to be in any of their positions. Fuck them. They're getting paid. <laughs> and then lastly, oh, I, right. I had mentioned, you know, with all the stuff landing on Mars, perhaps Mars was going to start sending some shit our way, and then boom, within the week... Like you just alluded to, we've got all these videos of, of UFOs swarming Navy ships and this and that, and they want to, you know, release this. And Obama's like, "Yeah, release it, release it." I don't know. It a makes prophetic. You is it is it a distraction? You know, that's my first thought. Is it, is it distracting from something we should be focusing on? I guess everything is in its own way. Probably, you so. know, probably so. I don't know. Awful lot of UFO talk. Yeah, but hey. Things are strange enough here on Terra Firma. Isn't that the truth? Which is what we're going to talk about yeah, today, folks. we're coming out of this whole COVID-19 thing. Yep. Uh, by the way, I am now uh, joining the club that you're already a part of. Nice. I am fully vaxxed. Nice. Uh, I'm happy to report the second shot didn't kill me. Even better. Um, I didn't, didn't end up, you know, 
on my balls and my heels for well, you, you are know, a however. man amongst mm. men, sir. Well, I tend to think that it's just the the, the natural level of toxins I maintain in my body and that, probably yeah. fought that shit off. Yeah, you probably. Know? Yeah, didn't give it a chance. So, <laughs> you know, felt a little weird getting up the next day. I will admit, but all in all, just another toxin in the body. You know, and I think that the you know the vodka is really good. I don't recommend trying this at home, by the way. <laughs> But, uh, but, yeah, the vodka and the nicotine the yeah, you tend, to, tend to fight that kind of shit off. Gotcha. But, uh, but, you know, now that we are coming out of um, the last year, um, which I think we can all attest to, uh, never, we, we never could have con- conceived of what we've all been through mm-hmm. um, over the last year than, than what actually happened. There's a, a funny thing going on as, we're, as everybody's trying to pull out of this. Um, a psychologist recently mentioned, or labeled it, I should say, as a, a mental condition called languishing. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's funny because it's, it's not quite depression, right? Um, but it has a lot of characteristics of depression. You're not getting any joy out of life. You're not progressing. Mm-hmm. You're not falling back. You know, depression you know, obviously has its, its very, very distinct uh, uh, characteristics, mm-hmm. its, its symptoms and whatnot. And languishing doesn't doesn't fall into that category. It's, it's kind of a, a blah thing, I guess, right, right. the way they're defining it. And, uh, and an awful lot of people are suffering from it. And it, it I don't know, I'm, I'm thinking maybe people had some unrealistic expectations mm-hmm. about how we would be, where we would be, how we would feel right. when we got to the point where we could start dumping the mask, mm-hmm. you know, we could start hanging out together, you know, and whatnot. Obviously, the CDC cat caught a bunch of shit um, for the revisions that they've done over the last couple of weeks mm-hmm. as far as being able to hang out outside without a mask. Right. You know, now it seems so obvious, but at the time, you mm-hmm. know, people would just kind of, you know, you get the feeling now people were just making up shit as they went. Right, and I think science, you know, science is always subject to ridicule once it's in your rearview mirror. It yeah. always is. Even the best decisions are Monday, looked at like... Monday what morning quarterbacking, man. Right, yeah. And I think because of that, especially medical science is at its best when it's when it acquiesces to the fact that it's not sure, but it's using the best information that we have at hand to make the decisions that it's making. Because then it kind of covers itself, yeah. and it's being honest. And I, you know, I have to say to backtrack half a second um, to the listening audience, Michael Sean Lee came in today with with a, a plethora of ideas. <laughs> And I'm sure you've all heard of the term, like, spitballing, which is what we do for every episode. Indeed. And we'll throw a couple things at the wall to see what sticks. Yes. Well, he came in with a Gatling gun of spitballs <laughs> today. Three pages worth of ideas, okay? And this one, out of all the ones, a lot of which had very good uh, uh, potential, this one, I was like, yes. Yeah. Because I've been saying, you know, for so many weeks now, we're living in an episode of The Twilight Zone. Oh, hell yes. And I'm glad somebody now is put, somebody's putting a name on it because people just aren't acting right. No, no. And it, and it, it totally feels like that. It totally feels yeah. completely disassociative. And it, it feels like, it almost feels like you're caught in a, a weird waking dream. Mm-hmm. And you can't, can't snap out of it. And in a way, like they say that, that this whole episode is this generation's Great Depression. Okay? Right, right. And I think the events of the Great Depression left such an impact on, in our case, our, a little bit of our parents, but mostly our grandparents, yep. that they were always frugal with money the rest of their lives. Yeah, they never shook that shit off. Never. They never did. And I wonder now if, if this generation will carry this with them 
in so much as maybe taking a little better care of themselves, like right. health-wise, right. or taking those little precautions and certainly washing their hands a little bit more, you know? Yeah, yeah. But also recognizing, you know, what happens when society breaks down, yep. which is not a bad thing when we look at how many things that are currently going on that are endangering, air quotes, society sure. as we know it. Oh, yeah. You know? And you think of the potential things that could have gone wrong, the potential mm -hmm. things that could have happened. I mean, on top of the pandemic, we had the whole, uh, you know, uh, Black Lives Movement last yep. year that was pretty goddamn traumatizing in mm -hmm. a lot of different ways. And it wouldn't be uh, unrealistic to conclude that we're going to suffer some, some degree of post-traumatic stress disorder from all this shit. I mean, we're talking about something that crashed the global economy. Yep. I mean, it didn't just, you know, completely fuck us. We're talking about every country in the world had to deal with this. Yep. You know, and, and, you know, the whole isolation thing. Mm -hmm. You know, human beings are, are, are pack animals. They're yeah. herd animals. We don't do well in isolation. We don't. And there was an exchange on the latest episode of uh, the Bill Maher show on yep. HBO, which I'm, I hate to say it, is slow becoming a bit of a fan. <laughs> Good God. And he had uh, Bob Costas on. He was talking with him. And their opening segment was, well, I don't know, do I shake your hand or do I just bow? And, yeah. You know, little Bob Costas, who I say little because the man's like four foot tall. Yeah, this is true. He says, you know, it should be like the Asian countries do it, where you simply bow. He says it's more respectful, plus there's no contact. And I think, you know what, that might be something that takes hold. You know, because people and, and shaking hands goes all the way back to Roman times. Yeah. So yep. you could expose your hand to see that you didn't have a knife that you were about to plunge in their <laughs> chest, you know. Which they did a lot back then. Right. Well, that's why yeah. we got two hands. Exactly. You know? There you go. <laughs> and you always fear, which you don't know what's in the guy's hand. Right. <laughs> exactly. So, so maybe that's one of those old things that's just going to, you know, change now. But you had said to me, you know, John, the first thing I think of with this is look what's happening at, at sports events. And you're yeah. right. The NBA right now... Well, people are losing their shit. They need to put up minds. hockey plexiglass yeah. to separate the players from the... Charging the court? Keep your seat, trash. Are you out of your fucking mind? It's like, do you want to get the shit kicked out of you twice tonight? And not only that, but, I mean, when people, like, run on a football field and streak naked, okay? Yeah, yeah. they get tackled by security, they, they face charges, but it's a slap on the wrist. Yeah. Now, if you're throwing stuff at... Players, whether it's you know football, baseball, basketball, yeah, I don't care if it's if it's if it's a, a a tub of popcorn or it's a cold beer, your ass needs to be prosecuted. Yeah. Oh yeah. And oh, I'm yeah. not talking That's... banned from the arena for life. Who gives two shits about that? You know. Yeah. Because what if there's something in there, broken glass That's or whatever? Conspiracy and... to commit assault. Right. Yeah. You were trying to hurt somebody, and uh, and yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of this kind of fallout as we work our way through this languishing thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, from the very start. Uh, when this whole thing broke out, you know, I think it was pretty obvious in most cases there was no playbook for this, mm -hmm. and people were very much making it up as they went. I think Fauci. The so <laughs> I was just about to say, <laughs> I think a lot of the so-called experts were making it up as they went because yeah. they had no playbook for this, no, uh -huh. no idea. I think in the case of the CDC, they erred on the side of caution, right. which is a dangerous move to make. Uh, because if it comes out after the fact mm -hmm. that you, I don't know, maybe maybe overdid it a little bit. Right, because there's nothing wrong with saying yeah. we're erring on the side of caution. Yeah. Like, versus this is black and white, follow the science, what are you stupid? Oh yeah, let's scare the living shit right. out of people. And treating people like they're subhumans because they're not quote unquote following the science. Meanwhile, 
the scientists weren't following the science. Yeah, they, they were weren't guesstimating. Well, yeah, they didn't know. It wasn't a slam dunk. And I mean, that's another thing that came out after the fact is that the, uh, the American news media mm-hmm. was way overplaying the negative aspects of COVID yeah. uh, as compared to the media in the rest of the world. Right. And, you know, to some extent, it was erring on the side of caution. To some extent, it was complete irresponsibility because the media always knows that the shit that scares the hell out of people that is the leads. stuff that people yep. are, yeah, if it bleeds, <laughs> it leads, baby. That's going to lock you in. Yep. So, you know, now we're starting to see these things in retrospect. And, mm-hmm. and, and who knows what the hell else we're going to see in retrospect over the coming weeks as we are languishing. Right. But I do know one thing. If, if you thought that just, like, flipping a switch, you know, we were going to go back to whatever the fuck normal is, mm-hmm. that, talk about an unrealistic expectation. Yeah. It's not going to yeah. work like that. Because, honest to God, the first store that I went in that I wasn't wearing the mask... Yeah. I stopped in the middle of the aisle for a moment and thought to myself, do I have pants on? <laughs> because I knew something was different. Something was off. Something but wasn't I right. couldn't put yeah. my finger on it. Yeah. And it was, it, was, it, was like, it was weird because they were still playing the Muzak messages in the store yep. that for the safety of all of our... You know, social distance. Right, social right. distance, wear a mask, and, blah, and yet there's still people in the store along with me, walking around without masks because there's signs on the front door that say, if you're vaccinated, you don't need to wear a mask. So yeah. Yeah. it's just that, that limbo period. And, you know, you even hear scuttlebutt now from the, the scientists not to get complacent because it could return. Yeah, that's, well, you know, it's funny. I was reading a story in the New York Times earlier this week about that very scenario when the CDC um, changed their standards and said, okay, you know, you probably don't need to wear a mask outside. If you're vaccinated, you definitely don't need to wear a mask outside. Right. Um, you know, when they, I, I, it, it kind of felt like a correction. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> a lot of people didn't go for it. A lot of people were like, I'm going to keep the mask on. I'm not going right. to do this. I'm not going to do that. You know, they can't snap themselves out of it. You know, and that's 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 crazy. That's funky. But I mean, what else would you expect now that we're in that situation? Mm-hmm. You know, this has been beating you down, you know, for the last year. And it's kind of funny because it's it's now it's pretty clear that, um, you know, the conservative. Let me back up. The fact that this became politicized <laughs> is so fucking absurd. It's beyond. Belief. But does it surprise you? No, not at all. Unfortunately, <laughs> not even a little bit. But uh, but the fact that the conservatives downplayed it and the liberals way overplayed it, mm-hmm. you know, and now, like I said, we're coming out of it and a lot of people on the left can't let go. Right. They can't right. let it go. They're still stuck in that, that terror, mm-hmm. you know, mindset. That's, I mean, I don't know if that's a clearer definition of PTSD than I've ever seen. Right. But, uh, but that's where we're at, you know, and it's funny. It's, it's really bizarre. One can only hope it's going to slowly get better. As we you know, just let some time pass. And, oh, yeah. and, and that's the, really the tried and true way to get over and get back to normal. And then we'll have another show where we'll sit and say, well, to the new normal. Maybe <laughs> this is different than it was you know, way back when. Yeah. But for now, I think it's time to dig ourselves out of this. Let's shake it off. Super Let's serious shake it topic. Off. You know? Yes, yes. And uh, go whimsical I like with it. the middle gem. I like it. And, uh, well, we'll do one that's... Uh, related in two ways, <laughs> tongue in cheek. Okay, which we're going to talk about in a little tongue, while. Do we do tongue in cheek now? We do sometimes. Okay. I don't remember when we were tongue in cheek. <laughs> it's been a while. 
So my middle jam, this yes. is one that I picked it's a Johnny out. Jam. A Johnny Jam. Johnny Jam. Yes. Uh, was Tina Turner singing oh. along the Acid Queen from the rock opera Tommy nice. by The Who. Nice. Because I wanted to tie in with the whole COVID residual nonsense, as well as the fact I was one of the latest inductees into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. She was indeed. We'll boo and hiss at that in a few minutes. One of their few intelligent <laughs> choices this year. Right. I, I, unfortunately. But for now... Sit back, relax, and enjoy Tina doing the Acid Queen. And we'll be back in a couple more minutes. Some things and... Should be now. This girl will put him right. I'll show him what he could be now. Just give me one more night.
Exit Queen, baby. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. If that doesn't go right through you, right? you do not have a pulse. And I can't think of anybody else that would better suit it, especially in that time period, oh, God, to yeah. do that song than, than Tina Turner. Oh, it was an inspired call. Definitely. Uh, you know, we were talking about the, the movie version of, of Tommy to begin with and how it's such an eclectic mix of Americana stars. You know, you could throw her and... and Sticking out like a sore thumb, and Margaret, yeah, and then those those hardcore British themes and actors like Oliver Reed, yeah, yeah. Um, well, let's jump back real quick. A lot yeah. of people don't realize that that came out on a Tina Turner album. Yes, it did, and uh, and was incorporated <laughs> into you know Tommy. It was yep. now. Correct me if I'm wrong. I know we were we were researching this before the show, but the song is based on the part that Tina was playing, and yes. she wrote it inspired by that. And then they went great. Pulled yeah. it in and made it part of the musical. Yeah, because it fit right in with one of the, um, wow, Odysseus-type uh, <laughs> stops on the journey of, of Tommy with these Odysseus different relatives. Type. I like it. Right. I like it. Nice. I just made that up. Oh, very good. Very good. Because <laughs> I couldn't get my way around Odysseus-esque. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Or Iliad-esque. Yeah. Um, and yeah, she just, oof, she took him for a turn. But I mean, I mean, and even Keith Moon took a turn as... Yep. Another one of the wackos that, oh, that yeah. the parents left him yeah. with. Wasn't he like Uncle Ernie or some yes. shit? Yes, yeah. so the travel molester, basically. Yeah, another fucking complete psycho in real life. Right. You know, plugged, into the, <laughs> plugged into the role. But, you know, you know the, the, the cameos that were in this, and Eric Clapton was in it. Um, there was all kinds of stars that wanted a piece of it, because it was just that damn good. Oh, yeah. The know? movie version was incredible. I actually saw a live version of Tommy in Boston. Uh-huh. Uh, this is probably going back, I don't know, probably a decade now. But still, you know... In that time period, it still was impactful. Sure. The show still moved you. And I always say, as a meat and potatoes man, red-blooded American, there are three musicals men can watch and not feel weird. Tommy. Okay. Grease. Yeah. And you could maybe make an argument for Quadrophenia as a, as a musical, but... Quadrophenia was complicated. I it was, was terribly I would, complicated. I would then go in a completely different direction. And no, I'm not going to say Grease 2, because <laughs> that was an abomination. But uh, the movie Bugsy Malone with all the child actors. All right. You ever uh, savvy that one when you were younger? Because it came out when, that, we were, when we were younger. Not that I can recall, but that doesn't Scott mean... Bayo and... Oh, Jesus. Um, what's her name? Uh, the little chick, Jodie Foster. Even, if you even know who the fuck Scott Bayo is, you're dating yourself... Uh, just and he was little. This is like before Happy Days. Oh, no Like kidding. little, yeah. Wow, right. And a lot of these kid actors you might recognize. Yeah. But it's it's a musical, and all the kids play gangsters. And instead of getting shot, they get hit with a pie in the face, right? <laughs> but I think it was Paul Williams that did most of the music, because that was when he was really hot in Paul the early Williams, 70s. Yeah. Another, yeah. And every song on it's like an earworm. It's so well done. A little creepy, because yeah. yeah. the girls, they try and make them look older, and it was, it was a little oh, creepy. Boy. Yeah. But overall, just a fun little like ditty. So yeah, those, that's my uh, my triumvirate of musicals men can watch. <laughs> pardon, the, pardon, and mild digression there, right. folks. But uh, but getting back to the main point, indeed, one of our favorite punching bags, <laughs> the ho- the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Oh, throw that in air quotes. Good God, those sons of bitches. I think bitches. we need a little <laughs> redefinition here. Um, or new wings. We need new wings yes, put on. Yes, yes, yes. That would be brilliant. That would be absolutely brilliant. Because, yeah, some of the inductees, yet again, uh-huh. don't really fall into that rock and roll thing. Right. They kind of are, I mean, they're obviously people, you know, accomplished artists, mm-hmm. but they don't 
they're not rock and roll. They need to be in their well, own let's, let's start with the one, you know, right off the top, where we both agree, we both like them, but we just think it's way too soon yeah. for them to be in a Hall of Fame. No, it was the Foo Fighters. Oh, yeah. Oh, all right. They're yeah. in the middle of their career. Why yeah. you put them in a, in a Hall of Fame yeah. now? They don't, they, yeah, this is not a situation where they need a new wing. Dave Grohl was already inducted as part of Nirvana a few years right. ago. Right, um, And, you know, I, I love the Foo Fighters. I'm as big mm-hmm. a fan of Foo Fighters as anybody. But, uh, you know, if you go back to, you know, the inaugural days of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame when they were inducting the Who and they were inducting the Beatles right. and they were inducting... You know, people like Chuck Berry and Elvis. You know, it was people who... Pillars of the sound. Yeah, Yeah. who influenced everybody that came after Mm -hmm. them, basically defined the genre. And, and, yeah... Not so much anymore. Sexual chocolate. You know, no disrespect (laughs) to the Foo Fighters. They're a fun band. They're a great night. They're a good time. But, you know, Foo Fighters, Elvis. Right. Eh. You and know? again, my, my thing is, you know, they're going to go in eventually because they've had a huge string of hits and albums. Yeah. But there's so much time. And I thought it was, you know, or at least the way it should be. I know that they go by five years after your first release. Yeah. I think it's five or it might be 25. 25, yeah. But like a lot of Hall of Fames, it should be five years eligibility after your last yeah. production. Yeah. So like, it's like you're retired now, you moved on. Then we come back after five years and celebrate your career. Yeah, and that, and that establishes the time frame. But, right. But what are the accomplishments, you know, that, that get you? And I mean, if you're going to call it the Hall of Fame, you're inevitably going to be compared to all the other halls of fame out mm-hmm. there, whether it's basketball, baseball, football, or whatever. Right. And these guys that get inducted uh, were groundbreakers or, or, you know, they blew up statistics or, mm-hmm. or whatever. They weren't just, you know, guys we dug. Right, you know, I don't think anybody's going to say that the Foo Fighters are a great time. Band, but, I mean, you know, let's use the Football Hall of Fame as an example. Okay. okay, and forgive me out there, listening world, if I if I get one or two of these guys wrong, but let's say there's an argument in football to have Eli Manning. Is, is he Hall of Fame worthy or not? Right. Okay. Yeah. You know what happens as years go on and more and more guys get inducted in, the itinerary changes. Yeah. Now, if Eli had ended his career, say, 10 years ago, and he had under his belt two Super Bowl wins against arguably the greatest teams ever, yeah, okay, really. yeah. he'd be a shoe-in. Just for, the two, for one Super Bowl win, he'd be a shoe-in. Yeah. But now, because there are quarterbacks that are in the Hall of Fame, that, like Dan Marino, that never won a Super Bowl, okay, sure. but had impressive stats. Yeah. If you look at Eli's stats, he's like a 500-level quarterback. Yeah. And his stats you know, aren't that impressive, you know. But, I mean, what's more important, a whole body of work or being the man at a given time on the grandest stage of all? Yeah. Now, you could kind of take that argument and put it against any of the inductees. Oh, yeah. Did they have a huge body of work? Or was it the importance of the couple of things they did put out? Because, like, you'll comment often how difficult it is to come up with a hit, and that one-hit wonder should never be looked down upon. And I would agree with that. And if their one hit is something as groundbreaking as, say, White Christmas, okay, then, yeah, they should probably be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's, it's kind of an argument that you could make in in that respect to Todd Rundgren. Right. You know, I mean, guy put out some music, some popular music. Mm -hmm. Um, I have far more respect for the fact that he produced the New York Dolls uh, than any other shit he put out, you know, as, him, as himself, a solo artist, or with, uh-huh. uh, with whatever groups he was with over the course of time. 
But I'm still kind of, you know, I'm looking at that induction list and going, Todd Rundgren, right. really? Right. You know? Well, or the other or big... even more so, and I know I'm going to piss off all the Monday Night Hair Metal <laughs> people with this, Randy fucking Rhodes? Really? Well, hey, I, I'm a big hair metal fan, but I agree with you on that because I think that opens up a door of, to use the lingo for guitars, these axemen that would ply their trade with these different bands and sit in for different albums and whatnot. Uh-huh. Now that you're going to open up that door, what about Steve Vai? What about Joe Satriani? What about Ingrid I mean, Malmsteen? Exactly. Again, we need a clearer definition mm-hmm. of what exactly constitutes you know, a Hall of Fame inductee these days. Right. And then you know, we, going from there, you know, people like Jay-Z, people like LL Cool J. Right. You know, great artists, amazing artists, groundbreaking artists. Which in a nutshell, and I'll, I'll spoil everybody my whole like, <laughs> diatribe that I laid out before in this, as a former huge fan of hip-hop, I would say that not only did Jay-Z and LL Cool J not belong in the same sentence, but when you look when LL Cool J started out and when Jay-Z started out, again, I could see LL Cool J being in there because he was one of the originators. The one, like I said to you earlier, the first real single hip-hop artist that crossed over and went oh, yeah. mainstream. Oh, he was clearly, clearly a groundbreaker. No now, doubt about that. Jay-Z, not yeah. discounting his, his contributions... Came after the fact, after all these guys had, had laid the groundwork already, and really didn't spend a whole lot of time as an artist before he went into the producer role, yeah. okay, and, and bringing apart these, these new people. So again, what is he getting in for? Yeah. His albums and, and his stuff, or the impact that he had? I mean, there and, needs and to be... And what does it have to do with rock and roll? Nothing. Yeah. Now, we've always given hip-hop a pass because of the spirit of hip-hop. Sure. Is very rock and roll. Oh, yeah. However... You, you look at a band like N.W.A., right. you can make a much, much more uh, potent argument. Mm-hmm. But I would still say not rock and roll Hall of Fame. They Again, like we were saying, they deserve their own wing. Right. You know, of, of something of the R&B Hall of mm-hmm. Fame. Or because just again, the rap Hall of Fame. I mean, you know? one of the, the, the most basic aspects of, of the rock and roll Hall of Fame is people playing instruments. Yeah. And let's face it, and again, I don't care who I pissed off by the statement because it's just <laughs> true. Most hip-hop artists don't play a instrument, let alone their own instruments on the tracks that they're doing. It's a giant mixing board with more buttons and Carter's got liver pills. That's a dated statement. <laughs> there you go. But they're not making music as much as they're orchestrating electronic Sounds yeah. okay. It is what it is. Yeah, and the nature of the beats that they have made. You know, hip hop has gone through so many different incarnations. It when has. it started out, it was very the same beat, very plodding, very plodding. Yep. The sampling started. Yep. Then you went through like the new jack era, which really was what LL Cool J was a part of. Yep. Things are speeding up. It's now very danceable, and 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 it becomes more of a social thing. And then nowadays, and yes, we made it through the gangster rap phase too, because that we came did. right afterwards. Yeah. But now you're trapped in this kind of slow beats, mumble rap kind of thing where I, I, I can't even get into it. And I yeah. can find merit in any noise another human being can make. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm just like, really? Why are we even calling this, this music? Want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? And I hate to say it, folks, but I, I think Jay-Z was one of the forerunners of this what we've got now, yeah. you know? Well, a great barometer, too, it's always been songs. Do they have the songs? Right. You know, I could give a hoot in hell for, you know, America's greatest whatever, you know, good mm-hmm. singer, whatever. Singers are a dime a dozen. Sorry, good guitar players, pretty much a dime a yeah. dozen, you know, 
if you've lived in L.A. for any number of years, that becomes pretty clear pretty quick. Yep. But it's the guys who write the song, and the ladies who write the songs that resonate with you that stand head and shoulders above everybody else. Mm -hmm. And, you know, again, Jay-Z's got songs, Hello Cool Jay's got songs. Not rock and roll. No. You know? And uh, Kraftwerk, another band, or I don't even know if you can call Kraftwerk <laughs> a band, quite honestly. <laughs> you know, another, another artist... Uh, conglomeration of some kind right. that broke new ground and, inf you know, obviously uh, affected a lot of people that came after them, influenced a lot of people that came after them. Not rock and roll. Yeah. And you not know? Hall of Fame worthy. No. Not. You know? Because there's still so many acts, and we've covered this before. I almost didn't want to do this segment because I was like, <laughs> Mike, we've talked about this. We're going to beat the know? shit out of the Rock Hall of Fame again. Yeah, I know. But uh, again, there's still so many undeserving acts that represent not just a period in time, but a, a, a genre of music yeah. that are indelibly etched in people's minds and comes along with their memories of their lives and whatnot yeah. that need to get put in before we keep branching out. Yeah. Again, to use an NFL analogy, we don't need a team in London. Let's just improve the ones we have here. Yeah, okay? yeah. and for, their own, <laughs> for the sake of their own validity, the Rock Hall of Fame needs to redefine itself yes. and be a lot clearer about what they're all about these days because whatever it is they're all about these days, it ain't the same as when they started you right. know, inducting people back in the 80s. Because who had refused... Um, I'm drawing a blank. I know it was the a Sex Pistols. Thank you. <laughs> you know, that was... You know, look, first of many, okay? Yeah. Because there's going to come a time when these artists are like, well, on the one hand, yeah, we're immortal now, we're in the Rock Hall of Fame, but at the same time, they can see who's in it yeah. And they know who's in it and who isn't in it. And oh, it's yeah. just like... Well, in the case of the Sex Pistols, it was a stupid thing to even ask them to begin with. If you didn't know how they were going to respond, what they would say, right. you know, you don't belong, you know, anywhere near anything that has anything to do with rock and roll. <laughs> and um, I, I'm waiting for one of these groups to get up there and pull a Groucho Marx and just say, you know, thanks, but I don't want to be a member of any club <laughs> yeah. that would have me as a that member. Would have me, exactly. <laughs> I know. I know. So yeah, it just it, it, there needs to be a lot clearer definition for their own sake. I mean, sure. you know, these the, the, if you know the guys behind the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, people like Jan Winter, they can do whatever the fuck they want. They have sure. that kind of money. Yeah. They have that kind of juice in the entertainment. It's like the industry. International Olympic Committee. It's yeah, corrupt. They yeah. live in their own little world. Yep. But hey, let's. If not... you want, if you want validity with the public, mm -hmm. you need to be a little clearer. But let's go glass half full, okay? Because right. we did get in. Tina Turner. Agreed. Okay. Carol King. We did get Carol King in. Yeah. No doubt they did, that she deserved it. Um, yeah. As you know, I'm a big fan of the Go-Go's. Right. You know, and what they accomplished, and, and I think they very much deserve to be in. Gil Scott Heron, uh, Charlie Patton. Um, you know, if you're generally recognized as the father of Delta Blues, which is obvious, obvious roots Right. Um, that preceded rock and roll, that begat rock and roll, then yeah, you know, you're somebody that belongs there. Sure. And, it, you know, sorry it took us so long to get around to you, mm -hmm. you know, because the guy's been dead for a while. Right. But, uh, but there's a clear pathway there. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a clear link. And, uh, you know, in, again, in the case of the Go-Go's, they were groundbreaking. They were the first all-girl band that wrote their own songs, played all their own instruments. You know, that to me fits with the model that came out, like I said, in the, in the 80s with, you know, inducting the Stones and inducting, mm -hmm. you know, people that were, you know, progenitors to what rock and roll became. Right. And, uh, and, and you know, broke ground. Sure. They broke ground. And look, I mean, we have to mention, even in our own Big Boom Radio, 
Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah. <laughs> everybody, well, maybe not Jane's Addiction, but everybody makes sense <laughs> that's in there because they are all titans. And not only that, but whenever, whenever we induct somebody, we explain why. Which is they why were inducted. I'm okay with Jason yeah. explaining that because you explained it and it kind of made sense. Yeah. If you influenced, if you, if, you know, so many influencers didn't have the huge numbers of record sales sure. and whatnot. Yeah. They, you know, were the poor bastards that, that took the chance, broke the new ground, didn't make any fucking money. Right. You know, but I mean, look, Bob Geldorf is not known for I don't like Mondays. He's known for Live Aid. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know? So, yeah, you know, it, it, again, sending a message. To these and plus, we're at the halfway point now between the last Big Boom Radio Hall of Fame inductees and the next one. We so kind of are, yeah. Start thinking. Oh yeah, because oh, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be tough. Yeah. Now, well, it should be tough. Yeah. You know, that's that's the thing is this the selection process should not be easy. Yep. You know, and there should be debates and there should be you know brawls and furniture broken <laughs> and and human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. Enough. I get the point. And excess alcohol and cocaine consumed. I'm glad you said that because the Doobie Brothers are looking real good <laughs> for this year. Typical, ex- exactly what I'm saying. You know, there yep. should be there should be conflict there. <laughs> you know, that's what it's all about. God damn it, Jesus. So I'm thinking that for the last gem of the day, yes. you're going to use one of your I'm fresh inductees so. as well. I'm thinking so. What do you well, got? Well, again, you know, longtime fan of the Go Go's. Mm-hmm. Um, Love their progression from, you know, a fringe punk rock band that couldn't even play their own instruments when they started playing shows, you know, in the LA punk underground in the ni- late 1970s to what they became, you know, eventually mm-hmm. and, uh, and whatnot. I think that deserves nothing but respect. Whether you like the Go Go's or not, you got to respect what they accomplished. Right. So, yeah, I think we're going to rule with a little Go Go's tune here. And I, if I'm not mistaken, we're doing Head Over Heels. I believe you are correct, sir. Nice. All right, gang. <laughs> Enjoy this soon. We'll be right back with some more things and stuff.
Nice little flashback on that one. Love the clappy sound on that. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was very new wavy and yet yeah. like pop rock of the time. It sounded oh, yeah. like a lot of those songs sounded that. Yeah, very much so. They were, they were kind of a mainstream band at that point. That was their third album, Talk mm-hmm. Show. Mm-hmm. And this was 1984. You know, They were kind of out of left field um, when they first hit. It was funny. For a while, the group... The Go-Go's couldn't even get signed. Right. No one wanted anything to do with them because they didn't know how to market them. Mm-hmm. And I think it was Island Records, um, Chris Blackwell, who also had Bob Marley, uh-huh. um, took a chance, signed them. Their first record blew up, went to number one, blah, blah, blah. By 1984, they had been, I don't know, uh, immersed into the mainstream. Right. And uh, Yeah, I mean, to use another football analogy, it was a copycat league at the time. Very much so. Yeah. But, you know, we were mentioning, you know, how they, they kind of looked down on the third album because it only sold 500,000 copies. <laughs> but the, the shark tank that was pop music at that time oh, yeah. with Madonna and Prince and Culture Club and these guys and yeah. the Bangles, I mean, Duran Duran, it was a feeding frenzy. Yeah. That yeah. makes me think, yeah, you know, there's a lot of good music in that. Day. Oh, yeah. People who That's have, why the 80s are the 80s, you know? Oh, yeah. People who have come of age, you know, recently, within the last decade or so, can't possibly understand, you know, what constituted a hit album back yep. then yep. versus what constitutes a hit album now. When every song on the radio, in most cases, everybody liked. Yeah. Because there was just so much good stuff out there. Yeah. Uh, and if, if the new wave scene and then and the electronic uh, aspect of pop wasn't your thing, you could still fall back to Bruce Springsteen and Tom Petty. Yeah, and it was just there was something for everybody. Yeah, the the eighties was funny. There was you except know, country western. Uh, yeah, anyway. <laughs> yeah, the eighties was a funny time. There was there was a lot of a uh, lot of bands that that went the pop route just to stay relevant, yep. just to just to stay in the mix. But that was also a time when the underground. You know, started to started to bubble up. Yep. You know, and a lot of the stuff that came out in the latter part of the '80s, you know, bands like uh, the Replacements, bands like Who's Who's Do, uh, yep. bands like Jane's Addiction, you know, was a result of you know these these you know Madonnas and whatnot that were blowing up in the pop arena. Right. I mean, just go back and look at the the lineup for Live Aid. Yeah. You know, look <laughs> at that list. You know, and people sold a shit ton of albums back then. Yep. You know, whether they deserved to or not, you know. It's a lot of it was because it was still fun yeah. to go buy albums. Oh, yeah. Or if you were really affluent at the time, this little thing called a CD was starting to come yeah, into, 80, into Late 80s, own, 86, right? 87, I think. But, but the rest of us were still buying you know, cassettes. And uh, if it was a special album, maybe a Chrome cassette. Yes, I do recall which those. Which had those they were tones in the beginning. of it. Like, special. This yeah. is Chrome. Yeah. But like <laughs> in the case of the Go-Go's, I really think... Uh, even though they were kind of assimilated into the mainstream, uh-huh. they always had a bit of an edge. If you looked at the yes. songs on the album that weren't hits, that weren't mainstream yep. you know, radio singles and whatnot, they still always had a bite to them that indicated where the Go-Go's came from. And, yeah, they uh, were legitimate, and they, it showed in their sound. And they partied. They partied hard. You know? um, I seem to recall seeing something uh, when they did... Uh, I think it was Rock and Rio in 1984. Uh-huh. And I think they talked about this in that recent Go-Go's biography. Uh, Charlotte Caffey, who I guess you could call her the lead guitar player, got thrown out of Ozzy Osbourne's uh, dressing room for partying a little too hard, <laughs> you know, which kind of runs contrary to the whole Go-Go's image. And I, 
I think it was Rod Stewart that said after hanging out and partying with them that, uh, that uh, they could suck, or no, they could snort the lacquer off a coffee table. <laughs> I think. Little, little no. Well, there's your pedigree to, right to there. The, how hard those girls partied, you know? I mean, in, in all honesty, you know, that's one of the reasons why I think the Go-Go's were so cool. I'm surprised none of them had a little baby Rod Stewart yeah, after that dalliance. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> you know, they were just hard, hardcore partying L.A. musicians. Right. You know, the fact that they were chicks made them that much cooler sure. as far as I'm concerned. Yep. You know, so nod to the Go-Go's. Glad you're finally getting the recognition you deserve, girls. Yep. Bravo. True. True, right. true, true. So, Johnny. Yes, sir. I know you haven't heard this in a few weeks, so you know I'll forgive you if you if you if you have a dramatic pause when I ask. But uh, what's going on in Big Boom Radio this week? Oof. There's a dramatic pause, folks. There's a dramatic pause. All right. Well, right off the top, um, I'm as guilty as anybody living on the East Coast, thinking that the world kind of revolves around us. Yeah, yeah, we especially do. as it pertains to our programming schedule. So. Starting, I don't know, immediately or whenever. <laughs> we're going to do, uh, we're going to air program the Rips and Rants podcast, which already comes on at 8 a.m. Yep. Eastern Standard Time every Friday, as well as 5 p.m. We're also going to have a play now at 10 p.m. Yeah. So on a Friday night, it'll come on right after Girl Power, the Women of Rock. Nice. Where we showcase the female talents in rock and roll every single Friday. I like right? it. Right? You yeah. have to. have to do that. Absolutely. But yeah, so then right after that will be our effervescent joyful takes on this, that, and the other thing. It still amazes me that people would listen to our show at 8 a.m. on Friday morning. Right. I mean, wouldn't that just completely fuck up I think it's just because they're, they're trapped in the car. That's probably it. Right. It's or be. maybe it's, it's the reason for the recent spate of shootings, because we're just pissing people off. We may have something to do right? with it. Inadvertently, of course. <laughs> totally inadvertently. And people are playing uh, Riffs and Rants, the home game. Yes. And they're just beating up their wife and whatnot. Not that we ever condone that here. The legal team here at Riffs and Rants right now is waving at us, going, no, (laughs) no, no. Stop it. Yeah, get out, get out. (laughs) Look, it's his first day back. Give him a break. (laughs) Jesus. Good fun. Good fun indeed. (laughs) Yeah, so that's up there. We got some more episodes of the uh, Classic Rock Showcase happening, including Iron Maiden, which is making their debut. Uh, Man, those guys were huge back in the day. Yeah, and I I found some more that haven't been attended to. I have now acquiesced officially. I will be doing an episode on Green Day. (laughs) There's nothing more pathetic than an aging hipster. Yep. People people don't understand what a huge, huge concession that is from Johnny Teflon. Huge, huge. And I I tell you what, you know, a a band that's oft-labeled as, like, generic late 70s elevator rock, REO Speedwagon. Is also going to make an appearance because as I'm digging through their catalogs, they have a lot of rocking tunes. Oh yeah, I was never a fan, but they made an impact. And you yeah, and, and the stuff that, more you know? often than not that you would hear was very dewdrop rock. You yeah. listening to dewdrop rock? Well, in that, your was, elevator. that was the thing about that era is the stuff you heard on the on the radio was very rarely, if ever, their right. good shit. Because you know? nothing rocking was ever like appropriate for yeah. America's Top 40 yeah. or Imus in the Morning or whoever was like playing these tunes. Yeah, yeah it's true. Maybe your boy Rodney uh, Bingenheimer out in L.A., he yeah. would play it, but stuff wasn't getting played yeah, anywhere else. No, no, the mainstream, forget it. No. Yeah, so they're going to make an appearance. Um, I, I think we might have lost somehow Bob Seger, so he's got to get redone and put back in there. All right. So, yeah, it's always more than enough to keep me busy. And uh, I do believe we've got some new episodes of Blitzkrieg Bop. Very good. Hosted by yours truly. Back in town. Back in town. Got new episodes coming for that. So that's what's up. We're just keeping busy. And of course, 
Uh, whenever you want to find out what's going on, I've always got the next week's uh, slew of shows on the Classic Rock Showcase up on BigBoomRadio.com by Sunday, if, if it's a nice. good week, whenever I wake up on a Sunday. Yeah. So, yeah, check that out. Make that your source for info. Nice. I yeah. like it. I like it. So that's what we're looking at, my brother. So, again, welcome back. Thank you, sir. It's good to be back. Stick good around for a little while this time. Yeah. <laughs> I, will, I will do what I can. I will sure do what I can. Everybody's happy to hear from you. I'm, I'm sure little Myra Goldstein will be uh, relieved that you're safe and sound. I, 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 I think I, there's a bit of a crush there. I feel good knowing <laughs> that Myra will be able to sleep at night now, knowing that no, I'm, 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 I'm fine. And the rumors, again, of my demise were, again, premature. Greatly exaggerated as indeed, well. Indeed. So there you have it, folks. Uh, as always, thank you for joining us. My name is Johnny Teflon. And I'm Michael Sean Lee. And we'll see you all on the flip side.